James Conway is a self-professed army brat with five brothers, four sisters, and an even larger extended family. James grew up in Baltimore City, where he worked in hospitals for almost 15 years. A survivor of homelessness and domestic abuse, he serves at his parish as a lector, extraordinary minister of communion, youth ministry leader, choir member, and soloist. James is a longtime social justice advocate and currently serves as the vice president of the board of directors for Catholics United for Black Lives, a not-for-profit which works for policies that promote racial justice in accordance with the teachings of the Catholic Church. This is Echoes and Hope with James Conway. My name is James Conway. My faith journey starts at a church in East Baltimore called St. Wenceslaus. It's a Czech and Slovak Bohemian Catholic church. And the legend is that when I was being baptized, I wiggled out of my mother's arms and hit my head on the baptismal font, but I did not start crying. And from that moment on, everybody in the church knew that I was blessed and that I was destined for great things. So that's where it starts. I'm a child of military parents. My mother's Catholic. My father is Methodist. But my mother raised me Catholic. Our Catholic roots go back all the way to Southern Maryland, where my grandmother was Catholic, and she raised her whole family Catholic when she moved to Baltimore. I've been to several faith communities, but one of the things that has kept me in the Catholic Church was my warm reception into the Catholic Church. I was in flight due to domestic violence, moving from one situation to another. And when we moved back to Baltimore for safety, we came to church one Saturday to register for being back in Baltimore because this is where we were going to make our home from now on. And the priest, the priest named uh, Father John, he saw us and, you know, he just came over and greeted us. He asked my mother what she was doing there. My mother said, well, we're, we're here to register for church and I'm, you know, here to get envelopes and things of that nature. He said, well, what are you doing today besides getting envelopes and registering for church? And she says, well, to be honest, Father, I don't have any money, so I'm probably just going to go back to the house and then we'll, you know, kind of rest up and get ready for church tomorrow. And he says, you have three very lovely children. And my mother said, thank you. And he said, why don't you go ahead on and get on this bus with us? And they were on their way to the zoo in D.C. And my mother said, oh, no, I didn't pay anything. I don't have any money or anything like that. So we're just going to go home. And he says, oh, yeah, no, you ain't got no money. He was like, no, I totally understand. You don't have any money. You're just moving here. Get on the bus. And I'm standing here and I'm listening Because my nine-year-old self is like, I know that things work with money. And he looked beyond that. He didn't even know our whole story. He never stopped to ask. He saw a single mother with three children that didn't have something to do on a Saturday. And instead of saying, pay me back some other time or do this or do that, come join us. Considering that we were in flight, any place that would be that welcoming of strangers was a place that I needed to be a part of. That story has kept me in times where I've wanted to leave the church. It's not always the biggest gesture. Sometimes it's just a gesture. I tell that story to everybody because, you know, people say, you know, you could go to a Baptist church and they'll give you all the hugs and stuff. And, or you can go to this church and they'll do this. And when we were in flight, we did that. For a year, we did that. 
and it wasn't the same. And when we came back to Catholic Church, that was my experience. So yes, I I'm a, I love being Catholic and will be, you know, barring anything crazy like excommunication, I will be Catholic for the entirety of my life. And when I start my family, I would love for my family to be Catholic as well. My favorite thing about being Catholic, wow, it, it's hard to pick one thing, but the Catholic standard of community, it's like everything that the Catholic Church teaches is inclusionary. When you pray a rosary, anybody could pray a rosary by themselves, but we know that in May and October, we're doing it together. When we have intercessory prayers, there's a part in the end where, and what else shall we pray for? And it puts it on the people. That sense of community, that sense of togetherness really embodies what Christ wanted us to be as Christians. I cannot turn away from that because being in community with one another is what makes a church grow. I appreciate all of the catechism and all of the doctrine teachings, especially the stuff that comes from the Pope. And I have appreciation for all of that because doctrine is important. You know, there needs to be structure. We as human beings crave structure, but it's that call to togetherness that the church teaches us from a very young age that really keeps me in the church. Being Black and Catholic, to be honest, I did not know I was a Black Catholic until I was 18 years old. I have traveled to many different Catholic churches. I was never identified as a Black Catholic until I went to Steubenville and I was questioned by other Catholics. And they were like, oh, I thought you guys were a Baptist group that was coming to visit with us. And I was like, coming to that doesn't make any sense. When they saw us receiving communion, when they saw us posturing and genuflecting during adoration and our overall knowledge of the Catholic teaching, they were astonished. And that was a challenge for me. It was hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that somebody could look at me at a Catholic event and because of the color of my skin be like, no, you're not Catholic, you're visiting. And I'm like, no, I'm not visiting, I'm home. And then in today's world, which is some um, 15 years after that fact, I have never lost sight of the fact that I am a black Catholic because we are a rarity. And when I say we are a rarity, I'm not talking about dark skinned or melanated Catholics. I'm talking about true reform African-Americans who are Catholic. It's hard because there are a lot of different sects within the black Catholic community where there are people who are more progressive, people that are super conservative or quote unquote traditional. And when you say things like gospel music doesn't have a place in church or the worst thing that ever happened to the church was when insert something here. You know, these were all barriers that were brought down so that we could, could be more in communion with each other. It's like the racial and social economical divide in the church, especially in today's climate, you can't ignore it. I find it quite disturbing. My mother was in the army and my mother gave it to me straight all the time. She would always tell me I was born with two strikes against me. I'm black and I'm a male. Even though that may open a few doors for me in some circles, it shuts me out of more doors than 
it lets me in. Now you add on the fact that I'm Catholic and it may open a few more doors, but it's only opening doors because people are Catholic and don't want to seem racist. There are those who don't care and there are systems in place that I would love to see changed because I don't go to church to be reminded that I'm a black Catholic. I go to church to praise God for the week that I've been through and the week I'm about to go through. I came to church with no expectation. So I didn't know the gifts I had until they manifested in church. I sing on the choir. I am a lector, Eucharistic minister, and I have a remarkably good sense of, I call it preaching timing, where I can get my message across. And I also have a very incredible gift that's very near and dear to me, where I can step outside of myself and the spirit will take over me and speak to the people. And that comes with no training whatsoever, but just the willingness to let God be in control. And it has happened on many occasions. And I love the fact that God has enough trust in me and I have enough trust in him that he would use me in that way. I like to sing. It's fun, uh, particularly gospel music. I know most of all of the traditional songs. I sing a few Czech and Slovak hymns from time to time. I have this incredible imagination and a remarkable gift of foresight. So I can see things happening in a very wild way, but at the same time, once given scope, you'd be like, oh, but that's what he said, just, you know, minus the unicorns and, and the leprechauns. For my church, my gift of foresight was we needed to take a year off as a lot of churches are going through economic hardships. And this was before COVID. And I told them, I said, well, we need to take the year 2020 off and come back in 2021 and reassess. And they said, no, barring some kind of disaster, we're going to do everything the way that we have been doing it. And COVID happens. My leadership skills have led my parish to make me um, parish council president. And after a few brief meetings last week, they have all come around to letting me know that they trust me completely, which means a lot to me because I am the youngest person on the parish council. And I do feel like I have a lot to offer. And I only want to do things that will not only help my church, but the other churches in our pastorate so that my nieces and nephews, which I have a lot of them, when they come up, there will be a church for them to walk into and feel like they're home too. Our spirituality is a right to expression. It gives us a chance to do more. You know, it gives us a chance to experience more. It gives us a chance to learn more. And then when we do all of those things, those are the things that make us grow. If the church would openly embrace, let's just call it ethnic cultures, if they would openly embrace it, they would see how beautiful the church could become. One of the most beautiful things I ever heard about love was there was a man talking to younger men about being married for an extended period of time. And he said, you know, I fall in love with my wife every single day, all over again, every single day. And I'm like, if we could do that on a week-to-week -week basis, sharing our gifts, being present in a different way other than I need to be out of here in 45 minutes so that the rest of my day of rest isn't gone. The church is so heavily influenced by the world. 
Whereas in the past, the world was heavily influenced by the church. There's a measure of transparency that needs to take place so that maybe it would be more even so that we could get back to a world sense of, I don't want to say morality like one is dominant over the other, but morality in the sense of you shouldn't have to work six or seven days a week. And then on your day of rest, you're going to rest. If your day of rest is Sunday or your Sabbath day for any other type of faith participant that you may be, if your Sabbath day of rest is the only day that you have to rest, I don't see you going to church or to a synagogue or to a mosque or anywhere because your body is tired. These are worldly influences impacting religion when religion should be impacting worldly influences. That way, there is a sense of morality. There's a moral code and a compass and ethics and things like that to follow so that we can continue to move forward in a positive light. Like, we lose so much because we're told no. One of my favorite psalms goes, God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. In that psalm, that says everything you need to know about praise and worship. If you've ever been to a party or seen anything on TV, when the king comes in, there may be a moment of reverence where people are quiet. But at the same time, there are people that are bursting to make a loud noise. And that loud noise, that praise, that's what God is looking for. And we lose so much of that because somebody is really tight about time. And they're like, no, that takes up too much time. There's room for all types of expression. But to do it for time's sake, to do it for greed's sake, to do it for money's sake, that's the kind of church I don't want to be a part of. You don't have to do a backflip for God to get God's attention. You never did. But I have been moved to run around the church. I have been moved to cry. I've been moved to laugh. I've been moved to express different forms of spirituality in ways that I would have never guessed possible because I was moved by the Holy Spirit. We all fit the mold. We all fit in here. We have to get to our cultural experiences to really bring out the true spirituality of who we are as people of God.